0: The book of John chapter 9, John chapter 9, I was listening to a, a message this week, part of a message, didn't get a chance to hear it all, but listened to part of a message, and it was on this passage of scripture, and as I, I went back and started studying it on my own, the Lord started speaking some things into my heart, and, and today I, I just I feel like God's given us a word for today regarding this passage. The title of the message this morning will just be entitled Receiving Your Miracle. Receiving Your Miracle. Let's look at the book of John, chapter 9. We're going to start reading in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is the man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Father, today I pray, God, I know you have a word for us this morning. I pray that I'd be able to communicate it clearly. I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts today so that we can hear you. God, I believe you have a great move that's not only for this body and this church, but it's for families God, you have a great thing. There are people here today that need a miracle. God, there are people here today who are needing, God, to hear from you. And Father, today I pray that that exact thing would happen. They wouldn't just hear uh, the voice of, of a preacher, but God, that they would hear the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart. God, get me out of the way so you can do that. And I pray today would just be a day that we give honor and glory for the things that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is walking along, and they come to this blind man. In those days, it was a common thought that if someone had some kind of physical handicap or disability, that someone had to have sinned. That if if the individual, and and the other thought was if this individual had had this physical ailment, this disability from birth, then it would have been his parents that it would have been thought that have sinned. And that's why, of course, they would have had the disability. Now, obviously, today, we understand that that is somewhat crazy thinking. But it stirs this question up in the disciples in this first part of this passage, and they ask Jesus, who sinned? The principle behind this question might not be as crazy, perhaps, as we first thought. You see, all of us have this human, carnal um, propensity to want to blame other somebody else for our issues. I'm like this because my mom's like this. I'm like this because my dad wasn't around. I'm like this because my grandma was mean. I'm like this because I'm too skinny. I'm like this because I'm too fat. And over time, what we will do, our society has conditioned us, this human carnal propensity inside of us wants to place blame on somebody else because it could never actually be our fault for anything. And so the disciples have this mindset and they're like, whose fault is it? Because it couldn't just happen. See, that's the thing in, the, in society. We, we want to explain things away. We want to cast blame for our shortcomings, for our disabilities. But in fact, and in reality, sometimes things just happen. Jesus is quick to dispel this notion completely. It's not his mom. It's not his dad. It's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, this man was... Set up to prove that God is greater than blindness. Let me rephrase that. This man was set up to prove that God is greater than the condition that your life is in. Let me say it a different way. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. Your issue, your problem is an opportunity to God to show up and to show off. Your issue that you're facing right now, those storms that are surrounding you, that wind that's blowing is an opportunity for God to step in and to show how awesome and how great and how powerful He is. And not only does it show up in your life, but then you get to explain how cool God is and awesome and big He is to your neighbors and to your friends. Here's this guy. He's born blind. He's never seen a sunset. He's never seen a sunrise. Of course, I haven't seen too many of those myself. He's just not that kind of person. He's never seen beautiful flowers. He's never seen how vivid and beautiful God can paint a countryside. He's probably heard about it. Somebody that was standing beside him who had their sight probably said, wow, look how amazing that looks. And then all of a sudden they remembered he was blind. and said, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. He probably had heard about a lot of things. He probably heard about this Jesus guy that was passing by, but he never saw him. He probably heard that he was a healer, but he never saw it. He might have heard how the official's son was healed. He might have heard how he took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. He might have heard how uh, the turning the water into wine. He might have even heard about the healing that took place at the sheepgate Pool. But he would have no point of reference because he'd never seen them. He hears that Jesus is coming. I'm sure he gets all nervous and excited all at the same time. Wouldn't that? Can you picture that for just a moment? Here's the guy blind, man. You just, if you've ever, have you ever just closed your eyes and kind of played a game where you've been blindfolded? We used to play that game, pin the tail on the donkey. Stupid game. I only say that because I never won. And they'd take you and they'd, they'd put this blindfold on you and, and you'd see the donkey in front of you and they'd put this blindfold on you, but it wasn't enough to put the blindfold on. They had to spin you around like a top for about 12 times, like an izzy-dizzy. You've never heard of izzy-dizzy? Where you get, you put your head on a bat and you spin around? Okay. Shoo! I'm... I'm Folks, you got to work with me. I'm on a limited time frame here. I, I can't explain all my metaphors, all right? And then they set you toward this donkey, and they say, go pin the tail on the donkey. Well, half the time, I wouldn't even get it on the picture, much less the donkey. And you're walking through there, and it's, it's just like you, you can't see. You have no sense of direction. You have no sense of, of anything. And this guy lived his life that way. This guy lived his life without being able to see. All, maybe his other senses were, were in, in, kind of enhanced, but he couldn't see. And so he hears this crowd, with, because everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. His disciples were with him, and they're walking up to this gate, and they see this man. And maybe he thought, oh man, maybe today's the day. Maybe he didn't think anything. Maybe he just thought, well, I've heard about this Jesus guy. I've heard them talking about him around town. And then he thinks, well, maybe Jesus will come and touch me. Maybe Jesus will come and speak a word over me. Maybe I'll be healed today. Maybe those thoughts maybe came across his mind. There's some things I want to point out in this passage of scripture, some things that that I see here that you got to understand this guy. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he hears this. (laughs) Right? I don't care if you can't see it all. You know what that sound sounds like. Right? This guy, Jesus, is standing in front of him. He's... Thinking, well, maybe he's going to lay his hands on me. Maybe that would be awesome, wouldn't it? We like it when, when someone comes and they lay their hands and we get healed. We like it when God just speaks a word. It's like, man, be healed in Jesus' name, and the healing happens. We love that kind of thing. We love it when a miracle comes easy like that. But here's the point of this thought process. God, this is my first point of the day. God does not use a method that you want to get your doesn't always use a method that you want to bring forth your miracle or breakthrough. He doesn't always use a method that you want. This guy, he's, he, it would have been so easy, man, for him to, to just say, Oh, Jesus, yeah, just touch my eyes and it'll be good. And all of a sudden he just... Pfft. Think about that idea of spitting. A lot of folks, man, th- that idea of spitting is a degrading thing, to spit. You know, and, and I, I'm not judging you. If you go around spitting, uh, that's your... That's your Issue, But there are a lot of folks today that would rather be punched than spit on. Because of how degrading that is. And this blind man had to be wondering what in the world is going on? What's this guy doing? Yeah, I want to be healed, but man, I thought you'd just say something. Now, I want to be healed, but I kind of thought you'd just kind of touch my eyes and that would be it. And we woo. I want to be healed, but man, I, I thought this would be easy. I thought maybe just anoint my head with oil and man, we'd be healed. But instead, uh, you're taking your spit and you're making mud pies? I don't know about this. But notice something in here nowhere in Scripture does he ever say stop, nowhere in Scripture does he ever say no. Even though the method is crazy. And not consider what would be preferred, he's okay with putting mud in his eye. Why? Because it reveals his desperation to receive. It reveals his desperation to receive. How bad do you want God to move in your life? How bad do you want God to move in your life? Do you want God's power, but only on your terms? Does God have to do it your way or meet your approval before anything can ever happen in your life, before a miracle can take place, before God's anointing can touch you? Or are you you desperate enough to say, here's my eye, Jesus, put it right there. You know, another thing that I noticed about this passage of Scripture is instead of cleaning up his vision, he actually makes it worse. Have you ever noticed that? How many of you can see with a big mud pie in your eye? If I came up to you and, man, you're having a problem with your eye, and I put a big mud pack in your eye and said, yeah, you're healed. How many of you know that's not better? That's worse. You can't see anyway, and now there's mud on your eye. Well, the second thought I want us to look at today is when you're looking for God's favor, anointing, and blessing, sometimes things get worse before they get better. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. You might find yourself on the verge of the greatest miracle of your life, but all of a sudden you quit because things happened and they got worse you missed out on the miracle and the move of God because it got hard. This guy could have just walked around looking like an idiot with mud in his eye. He could have just walked around town saying, how'd you get mud dry? Well, this crazy guy named Jesus made a mud pie and put it in my eyeball. He actually had to go follow the command and go wash in the pool. He might have missed out on his miracle If he would have allowed the thought process of man, this is this isn't better. This is worse. See sometimes you might have to have some perseverance, you might have to have some resolve, you might have to have some fortitude that says, I've given way too much sweat equity into this. I've cried way too many tears to give up now. I've got blood on the line. I have done enough. There's it's get even though it's getting harder. I know what God has promised. I know what he has given me for. I'm believing for what he has said. I know that the hand of God is about to show up in my situation. I know that the hand of God is about to show up in my church. I know that the hand of God is about to show up in my family. And instead of giving up, I'm going to break into worship. Instead of throwing in the towel, I choose to dance. Instead of getting mad and angry and casting what God has promised aside, I choose to give him glory with mud on my face. Because I know that soon, even though I couldn't see, I know that I'm about to get a vision of what God wants to do in my life. How do you believe God for something you haven't seen? Have you ever had that feeling that something was going to happen, but you just couldn't explain it? You didn't know when. You didn't know how God was going to do it. You didn't know why. But you just had that feeling that something was about to happen. You knew it was soon. Don't give up. The Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It's a very popular passage of Scripture. I actually have a thing on my wall that talks about it. It says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But I think we've got that thought process of waiting on God all screwed up. Because we think that waiting on God mean like we wait for the bus. God, here's my need. I give it to you. I'm going to go over here and sit down. Oh, and I'm going to wait. The Bible said to wait on the Lord and I'll renew my strength. I'm just going to wait right here, God. And I ain't going to do nothing. I'm just going to take in the sights and the sounds. And I'm going to wait right here. And that's the approach we take. And I don't think that's what God talks about in this passage of Scripture. That those who wait on the Lord... You don't just sit around looking at the scenery around you, but you actually start doing something. As you're waiting on God, start doing some spiritual push-ups. Start reading your Bible. Start doing some more reps with your prayer life. Start pumping into your life spiritual disciplines. So that whenever you know when that comes and God blesses you and He gives you the things that He is talking about, He blesses you with the anointing, He blesses you with with the miracle, He blesses you with the thing, you'll be able to bear the weight of it because you're strong and you've waited with the Lord and you've also waited on Him. To have that thought process in your life that I'm going to be strong enough. There's an old... I believe it was Timex, that take a licking and keep on ticking. To be strong enough to maintain focus in opposition. To be strong enough so that when people murmur and complain, it doesn't rob you or destroy you. Jesus tells him, go wash in the pool. You got mud in your eyes, but go wash in the pool and you'll see. Now, that leads me to the third point, because obviously that didn't sit well with everybody. So, the third point is this people won't always approve or be as excited about your miracle as you are. (laughs) Jesus sent this man to the pool to get his miracle. And immediately after that, notice that his neighbors are a little critical? This guy had been there. He's a man. This is not some little boy. He's a full grown man. You know what that tells me? He's been at the pool, he's been at this gate for a while. He's been blind all of his life. He's been blind from birth. This guy has been blind years, not months. Decades, probably. Not just a few, couple years. And so his neighbors come and they ask, is that the same guy who was blind and was begging? And some of them said yes, and then some other one said no. It only looks like him. The Pharisees jumped in. You'll see that as you look into the the rest of this chapter. I encourage you to read that on on your leisure sometime today or this week. The Pharisees jump in and they're judgmental. You find out that religious people always complain about what happens. (laughs) They were complaining even about the day that it happened. Can't heal on the Sabbath day. What are you doing? You would think that everyone would be so excited for this dude, wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. This guy's been blind his whole life, and now all of a sudden, he can see. You would think, man, that that community would throw a party for this dude. Man, this is awesome. This is great. This is spectacular. This dude, now he was, he was blind. Now he can see. Think how cool that is. He's not going to have to beg anymore. He can actually go out and do. He's received a miracle from the Lord. How awesome is that? You'd think there'd be this celebration. But there's not. Instead, there's murmuring and complaining. Complaining. I don't think this is the same guy. I don't even think he was blind in the first place. How ridiculous is that? Have you noticed that when we start complaining and murmuring about things, we just get on the verge of ridiculousness? Have you ever thought about that? You know, and it just... All we do is stir up things in our heart, stir up things in our mind that aren't there. The Pharisees call him in to be questioned. They listen to his testimony and they don't believe him. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, man. I was blind and now I can see. Oh, that can't be true. No, 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 no. no, no. Go get the guy's parents. We're going to justify this. So they go get the dude's parents and they ask them, is this your son? Was he the guy? Was he blind? Has he he been blind? Yeah, he's been blind. Well, tell us again what happened. And the guy this time, I I love this blind man because this time he just he kind of gives this attitude. I don't know if if you, when you read this, we're going to talk about this. A second time they summoned, verse 24, the man who had been blind, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you already but you didn't believe me. I sometimes I wonder, are we like this when someone tells you of a miracle that they've received? Have you, are we sometimes like the Pharisees? Man, and if we get that way, you know, you'll hear about it, but you'll never experience it on your own if you become like a Pharisee. In from the last several years, we've had this thing in our country called terrorism. Whenever a terrorist attack is going to happen, they, they usually say that there's a lot of chatter. What that means is there's a lot of emails, there's a lot of communications back and forth. The level of communication has risen and the chatter has risen so that now there's this thought process that, hey, something is inevitable and looks like it's going to happen. When God is about to do something in you, expect a lot of chatter. In fact, if you aren't hearing chatter, murmuring, complaining, I would probably go on to say that you're probably not a threat to the enemy. But if you're hearing those words of murmuring, if you're hearing complaining, if you're hearing thoughts that says you can't do that, if you're hearing chatter, can I tell you, don't give up, carry the weight, keep working out, your miracle could be right around the corner, and if you give up, you're going to miss it. It takes a lot of maturity to hear the chatter and maintain your focus. We are challenged with the word this morning. Maintain your focus, even in the midst of storms, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, even in the midst of chatter. Keep your focus on Jesus. The blind man doesn't argue with his critics, but he doesn't let that deter him either. It was, look, I was blind, but now I see. The final thing that I want us to talk about today is this. Don't judge your present and your future by the past. Don't judge your present or your future by the past. Yesterday we were blessed to have um, Tom come and share at Men's Breakfast on this particular thought. He talked about the lineage of Joseph and Jesus as it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 1, you'd notice a few things about the people that are listed in that lineage. Number one, they're kind of shady. You've got murderers listed there. You've got adulterers listed there. You've got swindlers listed there. You've got people who were prostitutes listed there. All these shady people. And God chooses to work even in the midst of all of that and bring forth his son through that line. When we look at this man, his, this man's blindness was, his past was blindness, but his future is sight. There are those here today and that maybe you are spiritually blind. You're not physically blind, but you're walking around spiritually blind. Your hey, Pastor, what does that mean? What are you trying to say? What I'm saying is this. You may have heard about Jesus. You may have heard about some of the great things He's done. But you have never had your eyes open to who He really is. Because you have never received Him into your life. You have never come to the place of saying, Jesus, I choose you. And at that moment, that's when your spiritual blindness falls off. And all of a sudden, you can see clearly. As I think about my my life and and I think about the things that have happened in my life, I remember the time when I was spiritually blind. I remember the time when... I didn't want anything to do with God or anything to do with what he, and I had heard about him. I knew all the stories, man. I could tell you all about Jonah and the whale. I could tell you all about Noah and the ark. I could tell you about Moses. I could tell you about Daniel. I could tell you about Shadrach, Meshach, and Tibet we go. I could tell you about all of those. And I knew about God, but I was still spiritually blind because I didn't know him. And I never got a clue about the vision of who he really was. You may be here today, and maybe you're spiritually blind. Maybe you don't know who God is. Can I just say this? Your blindness of your past is not something that God wants you to live in. He wants you to see the vision of your future and of your present. Many times we walk around thinking, man, I've I've got my life all under control. I've got my life all worked out. And what happened is it was all worked out based on what you wanted, not what God wanted. You may think today, man, there's no way I could ever come to God because you don't know the baggage I carry. You don't know the things that are in my luggage. You don't know the things that are in my past. Can I tell you, the cool thing about Jesus is you can take your luggage and you can leave it with him. And he says, you know what? That luggage is of no use to you anymore. I forgive all of that. Let's change your present and your future. God can redeem your past and have the ability to, of a miracle to change your present. If you have that, if you've received Christ and had your eyes open, that miracle of salvation, you understand that thought. The same thought as the blind man. Hey, how can you explain this? I I don't know. All I know is this I was blind, but now I can see. We used to sing a song when I was growing up, and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion here in just a moment, but we used to sing a song when I was growing up, and um, I remember it in church, and it, was, it, it wasn't one of those worshipful, wash the window kind of songs. It was a hand clapping, foot stomping song, and it just went like this. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, When I think of his goodness and how he set me free. Man, I want to shout. Man, I want to clap. Man, I want to dance. Man, I want to sing. Man, I want to worship. You know why? Because I was blind. But now I can see. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today I I thank you for sight. I thank you, Lord, that you give sight to the blind, the spiritually blind. God, today as as we approach this table, I pray that as, as we remember the price that you paid for our sight, as we remember the price that you paid so that we could have a future and a hope that was... A vision, of purpose, and of relationship with you. God, there may be some here today that are still in spiritual darkness. Or maybe today they're walking around with spiritual cataracts. They've had their eyes open at one time, but they're letting sin and other things come and cloud and almost bring darkness back. God, today... I want you to bring sight. I want you to bring sight. You're here this morning, and I've used the metaphor, yes, about spiritual darkness, and, and even the idea of, in the prayer about cataracts, and, and I just want you to know that God loves you so much, he wants to give you your sight back. You're here this morning, and, and you say, you know, Pastor, there's... There's sin in my life. There's things in my life that that I know aren't pleasing to God. That word that came forth this morning earlier said, if you will humble yourself, if you'll approach God, he will uh, will tell you the things that are in your heart that that he needs to forgive. He'll tell you of the things where, where you may have blindness or you may have dimness or whatever the case is, there's sin there. And you need to have it exposed and you need to be repentant of it so that you can see. So Holy Spirit right now, do that in this building. Holy Spirit right now, expose sin in this building. You're here this morning, and say, Pastor, I'm walking around in darkness, but I want to be able to see you today. Would you slip up your hand? We want to pray with you this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Walking around in darkness, man, but I want to see. Praise God. We're going to have an altar call here in just a moment, but, and we're going to include you in that altar call, but I also want to include some other folks in this too. Some of you have been in a place where you know that God's promised you some great things. You need a miracle in your life and then you know God has made some really cool promises to you. I believe in the promises God's made for this church. I believe in the promises that God has has told us and through words of prophecy and, and words of things that have come forth God is going to do And I also believe that some of you have some things God's spoken over your life. And maybe they've not come to pass yet, and and you're kind of wondering what in the world's going on. Can I tell you, God may not use a method that you're comfortable with. It might get worse before it gets better. People may not be as excited about it as you are. But can I tell you, if you'll persevere, if you'll hang in there, if you'll keep your focus where it needs to be, that miracle will happen. It may not be how you thought it would happen. It may not be the method that God may use somebody that, man, you don't even like. But I'm telling you, if your focus is on Jesus, he'll bring it about if you won't give up. So here this morning, if you're here as, as we have this altar time, I want to invite you to come. If that's if you raise your hand in that first altar call, or maybe you're here today and you're just believing for a miracle, and it's not happened yet, but you know that God wants to do it, and you want to just have resolve and keep your focus, and you want to come pray. Pastor is going to lead us, as he leads us in a song. I want to invite you to come. Would you stand across this sanctuary, please? And as he sings, would you come? We want to pray with you today. Right before we have communion this morning.